lesson is found in Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout the district. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thanks, Vicki. Let's pray. Every so often, I am convinced I tell the world too much hold my heart on my sleeve, cough out my secrets, confess my pain. I swear to myself I won't do it again. I will be all Lockheed, a porch with screens, elusive and safe. Then I talk with a friend who is all heart, all summer and all June, raw and flawed and so complete. And I am reminded how flowers thrive when they are open to it all to the rain and the sun and the footsteps and the weeds, to the changing of the seasons all over again. And when someone is looking for a sign of hope, there they are, blooming despite it all. Amen. There's a lot going on in this reading, maybe too much. And as I try to take it all in and untidily make sense of it, in light of today, June 11th, I think, I keep coming back to verse 13, Jesus' words. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to, to I have come not I have come to call not the righteous, 
but sinners. Now, I have heard about God's mercy, but what is this human mercy that Jesus desires from us? I think about other gospel stories where people have cried out, have mercy on me, Jesus. Are they saying, hey, notice me, Jesus. Heal me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Come to find out the words Jesus quotes in this reading are actually from the prophet Hosea, who spoke God's word and said so long ago the same. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What is this mercy you desire, Jesus? And then what about this man we hear about in the next breath? A church leader we hear, a well-respected man who is prepared, and he has done it right. His daughter is sick, so he has prayed for his daughter. He has offered sacrifices in the temple. He has fulfilled his financial pledge, gone to the chief priests, and requested all the special things that chief priests do for healing, and yet his daughter is still dead. This church man, who is also a dad, realizes that ceremonial religious practiced acts of faith cannot save his daughter. So he's willing to put his work, his well-studied faith on the line to come to Jesus who happens to be in town and he dares to open the door of this dinner party with tax collectors and sinners and plead to Jesus in his grief. Without knowing what Jesus will do, the one who others kneel in front of now collapses to his own knees, begging Jesus to do something. And as Jesus gets up to follow this man, a woman who's been menstruating for 12 years, think back to where you were in 2011. Can you imagine bleeding since then? A bleeding that kept one from being in a lasting, fulfilling relationship, from having children, from fully participating in life. After 12 years of chronic illness, you cannot separate your physical condition from your identity. She wasn't feeling sick. She was sick. And then after a dozen years of exclusion, she hears about someone who may be interested specifically in how she is really doing because no one has been interested in how she was really doing. She has nothing more to lose. So she breaks the rules and gets in the middle of a crowd thinking in her head and her heart that somehow believing if she even gets close, if she can even touch the garment of this man who professes to be God in flesh, her ill will be cauterized. This leader of the synagogue knows the ways of the church, the formality of protocol, but at some point is willing to ditch that polished voice and rehearse move for the frantic cry of a dad at the door of death. We know nothing about this woman's faith. 
Has she been brought up in the church? Did she know about God? She certainly has been not allowed to participate in anything church-like for the last 12 years. If these two people are living the mercy that Jesus desires, I'm not sure I can do it. They lay it all out there. The odds are better trusting that things like this just happen in this unpredictable, broken world. Play the cards you are dealt and try to fake a smile. But their gutsy mercy actually believes that their suffering matters to God and to love God with all your heart just might mean laying it out there for God and the world to see. That that unimaginable place of hurt is where God wants to be. That this is what faith is all about. We spend a lot of time making church look good, and with that our lives, doing the right thing, But what about the times when life no longer fits into these boundaries or protocols? These are the hard times, I know they are for me, because what I see and I put out on social media are screenshots of a so-called perfect life, big, well-worked and deserved moments, and we work so hard to live those moments and share those moments and be those moments. And to strive for that kind of life may be desirable, but I'm not sure it's attainable. Sarah Kay, a writer and performer from New York City, tells about a day, one random day, where she ran outside the city borders. And there on the road, she spotted a lone starfish on the asphalt on the highway of New Jersey, miles from shoreline. She thought to herself, how did it get there? It was just an unsolvable mystery. So for Sarah, that wayward starfish became a patron saint of unbelonging. So fragile, she says, and so whole and so far away from home. Maybe that starfish can be for us too a reminder of how fragile we are and how desperately we need to be saved to be put back into the water from which we come, and to hope in this world that there's someone who spots us to bring us back. I can tell you, the world will laugh that you showed up today, that you dared to believe that Jesus, who was killed for these very acts and rose again, who is no longer in this world in human flesh, can actually continue to proclaim that God desires your mercy. Not your put-together self, but the one who feels like liquid jello, all raw and still forming. You don't need to come in your Sunday best because that is not who we are inside if we dare to admit it. And God is calling that part of you, the tax collector, the desperate grieving dad, the hemorrhaging woman, the starfish on the side of the road who is oh so far away from the water in which it came. Because inside each of our hearts is the need for something this world cannot give or fulfill. This is the mercy that Jesus desires. 
There is some good news today. If you want to admit it, you already have that faith, and so do I. Faith is naming it and then exposing it and trusting it is there where Jesus chooses to feast and where God, through sun and rain and footprints and weeds, will empower you to bloom. Now, the reality that we live and we read about all the time is that a lot of people who so need to hear Jesus' words today will never hear it. They have been hurt by the sacrificing, looking good in the mirror church, or they are so tired of Christian messaging, beating into their heads, look out for yourself. There's a norm and a dominant culture for how to love God and how God loves us. No wonder so many people didn't show up today or are saying no to organized religion as a whole. So many people may never come into a church, but they will meet you. All heart, all summer in June, raw and flawed and so complete. If you dare to believe that what God desires for you is mercy because you will be the sign of hope for them. Let it be clear from Jesus himself to be a follower of Jesus is not about doing the right things. So for all the ways the church proclaims this and hammers this into our soft bellies is not what Jesus is calling us into. So today, as this living word lands on your heart, the unformed, gooey places, know that that is faith. That is the starting point of where life will grow and bloom. And as much as we want to hide that part, that is what we're meant to reveal to the world as hope and the connection someone else will make to join this messy garden of community for them to know this mercy that God desires is within them too. But each and every day we wake up and we fight the battle between mercy and sacrifice, righteousness and sin each day. Jesus desires your mercy and sinful, unformed, exposed heart. So come as you are to the table, hold your heart on your sleeve, confess your pain as the rest of the world laughs because it is there that God promises to save the world, to feast with us, and to grow life. Thanks be to God. Amen.